everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dusted. You're, believe it or not, that's not the worst thing I've seen in a hot tub, Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> podcast. I mean, it's up there. <laughs> it's up there, Top yes. three, at least. <laughs> but no, we should obviously now begin an informal what I've seen in a hot tub ranking from I, I, I don't best think, to worst. No, I think there are certain areas that are just, you know, when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back into you. Just don't ah, think about it. Nietzsche, right. how appropriate there you for go. this week's discussion <laughs> of Bad Girls, the 14th episode of season three and one of the big anchor episodes of all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a real turning point. This marks a, a stark shift from, I guess, nominally the first half of season three into the back half right, of yeah. season three. Mm-hmm. Though, of course, we're a lot further through the season than, than just half. half. But. but it also, it's just, I, what I love about Bad Girls is that there are all these, like, kind of threads that have been sort of running through the season. And if you're watching up to this point without knowing what's coming, you're like, okay, well, you're, this is fun, and Zeppo's fun, and we're having a good time, and okay, that's great, we got some band candy, it's all a good time. But then, like, this is the episode where it all, like, tightens and pulls together, and you can see what they've been doing all along, which yes. is really fun. I love that it does that. It's it's so functional in in the heart of this uh, of this season. It is uh, perhaps imperfectly functional. I mm-hmm. think we disagree a little bit on this episode. Not a huge amount, obviously. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is one of the standout episodes of Buffy. But I have to say, watching it this time, I was a little less impressed by it than I expected to be. See, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was gonna. <laughs> well, we're gonna see. Know. It's weird, too, that a lot of, and we should probably address this mm-hmm. up front, because sometimes we will collapse episodes which aren't, you know, listed as two-part episodes. Yes. We will collapse them into a single episode and treat them as though they were a two-part episode, mm-hmm. as we did, for with example, with Surprise and Innocence. Innocence. Mm-hmm. We are not going to treat Bad Girls and next week's episode Consequences as a single episode, because I think there's enough there's enough distance between them, and there's certainly a key shift yeah. in tone between those two episodes. We have a a big moment that is riding from one episode to the other, but yeah. it's riding from one episode to the entire back half of the season. Exactly. So it's not like these. It's not like we resolve that. If we resolved that thing at the end of Consequences, then I'd probably have or an argument for even why. arrived at a new status quo exactly. as we did between Surprise and Innocence. Absolutely. You know, that, those two mm-hmm. episodes together work as a game changer had a complete narrative unit among them but this isn't yeah this is uh, bad girls launches us into the back half of season three which all of the things that are launched in bad girls continue all the way through so the marty noxon written consequences next week on dusted let's get into our beat by beat breakdown of this one though we should first i suppose acknowledge that this episode was written by douglas petrie coming back to us after Revelations, a.k.a. the one with Gwendolyn Post, because Which I can never, we never remember, remember the name I know. of it. Yes. You can tell me, hey, I just watched that Buffy episode, Revelations, exactly. and I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> In part, because it's a terrible title. It is. I mean, it refers to when everybody finds out the angel's still alive, and yes. she reveals that. But what that episode really is, is we've got a, a stuffy British watcher <laughs> stepping in, and oh my goodness, what happens in Bad Girls? Do stop me if that sounds familiar. I know. Yes. Doug Petrie it's, obviously has a great knack for introducing he new He took watchers. a swing at it, he fell a little off, he didn't He hey, didn't stick the landing. nothing wrong with Gwendolyn Post, or until, nothing wrong about the writing of Gwendolyn until, Post. Until... <laughs> I'll defend her. But uh, but anyway, and I think that this is where he, he lands it. Like I think he, he brings us does. a watcher yeah, we yeah. can really enjoy. And this episode directed by Michael Lang. Michael Lang only directed four episodes of Buffy, and this is the third previously by Michael Lang, Surprise, from the aforementioned two-parter Surprise and Innocence, and Band Candy. Yeah. So he's he's way up there Uh in terms of of consistency. Right. We'll talk a little 
about the direction of mm-hmm. this episode because I think he has to carry a certain amount of responsibility for the things that I find problematic yeah, in this uh-huh. episode. We'll talk about that as okay. we get through it. Though, I, again, you know, let me frame this. This is a good one, you guys. This is right. a real good one. <laughs> Imperfect, perhaps, but real good. Mm-hmm. We will begin, wait for it, in the graveyard. Hashtag That's right. WBITG, people. Coming, but we begin this episode <laughs> in the graveyard. Faith and Buffy are simultaneously battling vampires. Buffy stakes hers and gets the dusting special effect. Faith stakes hers off screen. But that doesn't matter because they're really preoccupied by their conversation. Mm-hmm. Buffy has never had sex with Xander. Faith is all about indulging her inner, well, what would you call an inner id-driven monster? It's, Faith is all about indulging her inner faith. (laughs) That is exactly where we are. Buffy's problem, as has so often been said, is that she thinks too much. (laughs) We say that all the time about Buffy. Too cerebral. This is somebody who just analyzes everything and never goes with her gut. Yeah, so often, so often. Mm -hmm. They track a third vampire, but Faith doesn't wait to attack. Buffy tries to save her and is almost outmatched by the vampire, who is in turn staked by Faith. And when Buffy turns around, the vampire's swords are gone. In the town hall, Trick delivers the swords to the mayor while they discuss newspaper comics. Family Circus, Marmaduke, or Kathy? It's a trick. There is no right answer. <laughs> They're all terrible. They're all, well, yeah, that's true. I guess it is, there may be a right answer depending on the question. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which of these is the worst? I'm going to go with Family Circus. Oh, Family Circus, definitely. I'm going to go with Family Circus. I guess if you have to pick a best, yeah. I'm going to side with Alan on this. I think Kathy's probably better than the other two. I think Kathy is better than the Marmaduke's other two. Marmaduke's a big dog. Kathy's not There's a not bad actually thing, a joke but there. she has one joke that yes. she does over and over and over and right. over again, whereas Marmaduke doesn't have a joke, but at least there's something. Well, aside and, from he's a big dog he's a big dog right the joke is contained in the premise and family circus is just surreal to the point of discomfort yeah yeah no, it's, it's creepy. Genuinely it's creepy. I think it circus. was all those pot smokers in the 70s that made Family Circus a thing. I, think, I don't know. I think that Family Circus may have been like a very subtle experiment in like metatextual storytelling. And family Circus possible. was Night Vale before there was Night Vale. Before, before it is a glimpse into a horrifying alternate reality. <laughs> Moving on from yes. newspaper comics, the mayor is preparing for a dedication that will lead 100 days later to his ascension. Whatever that means. It can't be good. We cut to (laughs) credits. And when we come out, we are at Sunnydale High. Willow has assembled early admission packets for some of the most prestigious schools in the world. Xander's future looks a little more bleak, but if all else fails, he can always fall back on his main occupation, insulting Cordelia's outfit. Sure. Hooker wear. Right. Hooker wear. So we're back to slut-shaming Cordelia as a thing that we do. And once again, Cordelia by no means dressed, you know, less appropriately than I mean, she's showing a little more skin than usual because she's usually buttoned up to her neck, (laughs) which is always, is always like, if that's, you know, by whose definition is that like whorish, you know? Well, we've talked a little about Xander and we've really arrived, I think, at, you know, Mm -hmm. the era of Xander. He's Mm -hmm. really kind of come into his own after the course of the last few episodes. Yeah. Even, you know, taking into account the enormously and surprisingly controversial The Zeppo. Oh, There's been yeah. a huge we discussion. We got yelled at a lot for that. Well, and supported a lot. It was <laughs> a really interesting a discussion. If you've too, yeah. never visited mm-hmm. the Storywonk forums, dear yeah. listener, we don't normally break out of our beat by beat to go back and talk about <laughs> the last episode that we did. 
go over to the Story Wonk forum and go look at the thread for the Zeppo. It yeah. is an absolutely fascinating conversation mm-hmm. and a real breakdown of where we landed on that episode oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. terms of the the unreliability of the narration mm-hmm. and, and the depth to which we are in Xander's POV. Yeah. It was a really fun episode for us to record, obviously mm-hmm. a really fun discussion to have, but the conversation that spun out of that has been just amazing. I know, I, I love stand it. by our conclusion, I think, but I've really had to... I do too, but I, really I think it's really it interesting, the, yeah. the other arguments that people come up with. But that Xander... Whichever Xander you think we're yes. talking about, that Xander is nowhere to be seen in Bad Girls because here we have comedy Xander. We have and a that's visitation great and from all. season two Xander. Exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in this yeah. episode because honestly, Cordelia well, shows when up. Xander's there. Xander's not there that much. He's not. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. Absolutely. But Cordelia shows up with a barb and it's not, it doesn't feel like it's layered in exactly the same yeah. way mm-hmm. as. Cordelia's recent appearances have been layered. Mm-hmm. This is just a very flat insult. We just rewound right back to season we two, really Cordelia did. and Xander. I mean, both of them. Cordelia doesn't have the kind of layering, like you said, that she usually has. And or Xander, that she's had of late. That least. she's had yeah. of late, right. Yeah, that we really enjoy. It doesn't have what we really enjoy about Cordelia. And Xander has lost that um, confidence and and kind of swagger that he got in the Zeppo. Yeah, he's so, much sillier yeah. in this episode than he's been really throughout a lot of season three mm-hmm. this is this is a very season two yeah Zander. you're entirely mm-hmm. right it does feel like early season two yeah. cordelia shows up insults xander he calls her a hooker we go on with our story uh, there line. we go yes because that's, that's the best i mean xander's a funny and creative guy like the best insult he can come up with for cordelia well, is xander's as funny and as creative as he's called upon to be uh, by the true, script true. and in this episode we actually lampshade mm-hmm. the fact that he's not particularly funny or yeah. creative which is a weird choice yeah. xander i've got to say is one of the very my criticisms of this episode are minor. Yeah. They are nitpicks. The problem is that there are so many nitpicks mm-hmm. in so many different directions that for me, this episode feels a little unfocused. It feels a little loose. Yeah. It feels a little a little self-indulgent in weird ways mm-hmm. that don't unify into anything. And Xander yeah. is one of those problems. There are He's, there are some frayed edges, I yeah. would say, around the edges of this episode. But because I love the essential fabric of this episode, I don't care. I don't care. No, so we get season two Xander for 30 seconds. I'm fine with that. That's part of the problem, yeah. though, right? It, it doesn't really spoil my enjoyment of the episode. But yeah. when I come to the ranking... And you're looking you know, at... I'm exactly. looking at the list. I'm mm-hmm. thinking in those terms. It, it's going to cost it a few places, in my assessment. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's just there's some loose stuff. And, and honestly, a line that I consider one of the worst lines in all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Luckily, that doesn't take place until the climax. We'll get to that. In due course. And I know you love it. This is going to be I a fun do. conversation. <laughs> Buffy needs some help passing chemistry with which Willow can help. Chemistry is just like witchcraft. There you go. Says. I love that. Willow in this episode doesn't get a great deal more screen time mm-hmm. than Xander. Yeah. But I think she's great. But it's better. It's more consistently Willow. Yeah. yeah. In the library, Giles has a visitor. Sharp suit, well-scrubbed, cut glass accent. This must be a watcher. One Wesley Wyndham Price by name. Buffy asks if he's evil, and he confirms that he's not like Gwendolyn Post, but no one mentions Travers. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> still potentially evil? Yeah. Not not Gwendolyn but Post not a, evil. But not a, like, a, you know, front lines watcher either, so... Right, you know, right. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, Wesley, though, is eager to get to work. He takes Buffy's brief account of last night's patrol, including the guy with the swords. She inexplicably says that the guy with the swords wasn't with the other two vampires, even though, and I went back to confirm this, even though they're all wearing the same outfit. See, you went back to confirm it, 
I took Buffy's word for it and changed how I remembered the scene. Memory wow. is so malleable, That's guys. It's freaky. Right there. No, seriously, because yeah. when you said, I said, yeah, well, they were wearing different outfits. They were wearing like normal vampire outfits, nope. and They're the third wearing guy the was same like weird. Tabards. But apparently, the they were yeah. wearing the same weird outfits. So whatever, I don't know. Again, it's a loose thread. Like I honestly did. I went back and edited how I remembered it based on Buffy saying That's- this. Another so the first stumbling block for me yes, in the episode uh-huh. is the line about Cordelia yeah. Chase's line of hookerware. Right. This is the second one. Mm-hmm. Why would Buffy say that? Yeah. It's it's possible. It's likely in fact that it exists. The other, ones from, were, the other ones were fighting with swords too, though, weren't they? No, were they, they weirdly are not fighting with swords, even though they're wearing the same outfit. The whole show makes more sense if they weren't wearing. If they that were outfit, just regular, like but they're wearing regular outfit. vampires. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It, it's a it's really weird, tough but again, one. It's, an, it's like, another. I'm whistling through this whole thing. I just don't even care. <laughs> I love the rest of it so much. I don't even care. It is possible, I suppose, that when she says he wasn't with the others, she means that he was actually standing apart from the others. That yeah. he wasn't invited to hang out with the cool swordless vampires. <laughs> He was he was on the outskirts oh, of the clique. You've got yeah. swords. Go stand over there. <laughs> but I guess you know <laughs> that's the whistling that I will do to compensate for that. Line. This is our buddy Swordy McGee. Right. Yeah. So Wesley goes to work and immediately identifies the swordsman vampires El Illuminati, a swordsman cult dedicated to the demon Balthazar. One hundred years ago, Balthazar was killed by by something. Let's by not something. Dwell we don't know the what it was. There. Yes. And the vampires were driven out, but now they're back. And there's an amulet, and everything is you know probably going to be fine. <laughs> Buffy questions Wesley's order to investigate, and this, yes, this is beautiful. We don't open the episodes of Dusted mm-hmm. with clips of audio from the show. I have thought about doing that, but frankly, it's a lot of work it to is. grab the audio from the show and to edit to it and to import it in and make a whole but thing. I have, like, right? I would like sometimes to open the episode of Dusted before the music yeah. with a short excerpt from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This episode, more than any other, makes me want to do that because of this brief exchange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when Buffy says that when Giles gives her an instruction, he always says please, and afterwards, she gets a cookie. I know, I love that. Not only is the line read <laughs> perfect yes and sarah michelle geller does wonders with it mm-hmm. the little smile that giles gives her oh, as I she says it. that yeah is my favorite thing yeah let's talk now because we're going to refer to this point again and again in the breakdown of this episode right. uh-huh. let's talk about <laughs> less wesley specifically and oh. more the influence of wesley well okay here's the thing wesley at this point you know he comes in and he's just another british watcher there to usurp giles mm-hmm. and put giles kind of on the back foot what i love about this is that it changes giles giles now his role has always been to be like the stern you know parental mm-hmm. figure who wags his finger and gets knocked out you know <laughs> and like <laughs> and uh, and becomes like this burden that you have to carry through because he's sort of had that role now he's moved out of this role and he's one of the cool kids he's he's the transgressive he can be transgressive i love giles yeah. like this yeah it this is my giles yes absolutely he has just shown up and mm-hmm. he's fantastic i guess now is as good a time as any to talk about wesley too. yes uh-huh. uh wesley has a very mixed reputation uh-huh. in the buffy fandom yes and certainly i mean if you're familiar at all with buffy you will be familiar with the fact that wesley comes back yes uh, mm-hmm. after this appearance this version of Wesley is slightly different mm-hmm. from the version of Wesley that we'll get in the future. Not, you know, enough to suggest some kind of discontinuity. But but an arc. Certainly. I would say a character yes, arc. I think that's sure. entirely fair. Right. I've got to tell you, 
I like Wesley from minute one. I love Alexis Denisov. And Alexis Denisov, I always see this episode and I go, oh, because behind the scenes, yes. he and Allison Hannigan, who well, plays happened? our lovely Willow, fell in love. While filming this episode, yeah. Allison Hannigan asked him out and he said, oh, no, I don't date co-workers, but thank you for the invitation. Uh-huh. They were friends for a year. It took them a year to begin to date. Yes. But this is the episode in which they this met. This is the episode where they met. And I just, I mean, I don't think they share a scene in this episode. I don't think episode. they do, no. Um, but <laughs> But, uh, but still, like it always gives me that little happiness because I look at them and I think, oh, they're about to meet their yeah. soulmate. <laughs> and know? I have to say, it, it, it's not just that. Mm-hmm. I completely understand that. Yeah. It, it is, you know, a, a little squee for yeah. the fandom. But I think Wesley is great. Oh, I think Alexis, that Alexis Denisov, Denisov I adore is him. so charming. He's fantastic. Now, how is his, his accent sounds Extremely really good. good. Extremely good. All right, because he's yeah. American. Yes. So, I mean, a lot of people don't believe that because he's so good with there that are, accent. There are, I mean, yeah. to, to foreshadow a little bit, there are. As with Spike, there are right. odd words Occasions that are just where, yeah. violently mispronounced uh-huh. <laughs> yes. much, much later in the series. But generally speaking, it's extremely good. And yeah. for him to be, you know, doing that mm-hmm. opposite Giles uh, <laughs> and to remain completely cool and unflappable. I, I love I think that it's he a great comes performance in and, and, I think plays like, and takes all of that stuff out yeah. of Giles' plate. And so that Giles doesn't have to do that anymore and Giles can be there scrapping. And you we know? have an immediate beat of competence yeah. because, of course, he has all the information about Balthazar yes. right to hand. Immediately he has the book. He knows where everything is. He knows who these people are. And that's worth a lot. Competence yes. is a competence, big deal. We're going to talk absolutely. a little about competence. Capability is a yes. big deal. And that's one of the things that I love is that they don't make Wesley into this cartoonish, you know, British buffoon. Yeah. Like, he has chops, you know. He he doesn't have experience, but he has chops. And I really like that they do that. And he's, he's business-focused. Yeah, he's all about getting down to work. Mm-hmm. This is a job for him, right? And he's not as immediately abrasive mm-hmm. as Gwendolyn Post, though. Right. You know, it is unfortunate, I guess, that that both of these episodes were written by Douglas Petrie. So both right. of these episodes have very similar have, you know, have there's a similar. To them. You know, he doesn't look down on Giles. He doesn't uh, insult Giles quite the way that Gwendolyn Post does. Yeah. But he has a little bit of that that attitude, you know, which right. kind of mind. <laughs> there's that yeah. great line later, where he's, yeah. right before the vampires show up in the library, yes. where he has that line to Giles: "You've done." Well, <laughs> it's this very kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build a bridge. Here, here. I'm giving you a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Enter Faith. She's yes. not interested in this new watcher, which is proof, I think, of the change in her character. Yeah. There are a couple of things in this episode that I wish we'd spent some time with it. I wish we'd had in the previously on Buffy. Right. And more explicitly that mm-hmm. I wish we'd actually called out in the framework of the episode. Faith's response to Wesley makes a lot more sense if you have recently watched and paid close attention to Revelations. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I think that part of her response to Wesley has to be informed by the consequence of her you know, yeah. immediate connection with Gwendolyn well, Post. The, that, she's, that she was connected with Gwendolyn Post, that she um, she was connected with her original watcher who was murdered yeah. brutally in front of her. Her original watcher was murdered. Gwendolyn Post immediately betrayed her. Gwendolyn Post immediately betrayed But also Gwendolyn Post was, before betraying her, like played into all of her insecurities exactly and got right. her to trust her. Yeah. You know, so I mean, for Faith, that's a really difficult relationship. And I think that the reason why she handles Giles is because Giles is Buffy's. Giles is not hers. Like she doesn't, I don't think, feel that that same, um, I think, vulnerability to Giles yeah. that she feels to like her watchers. So when she sees Wesley, she's not going to give him a minute. She's like, screw that and walks away. And that's right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Though, there's no implication that Wesley is Faith's watcher. Well, yeah, I mean, he's both of them, you know? Well, is he, though? 
I think that's the Do intent. we have like yeah. a formal declaration that Giles is watcher to both slayers? I mean, this is clearly an unprecedented situation. This, I think this never after arose Gwendolyn before. Post, didn't they say that the Watchers Council told Giles that he could watch both of them until. Oh, perhaps, perhaps. So yeah. I think we had that as like a temporary solution, the, the, the and Wesley comes in to. Yeah. yeah. The relationship in the show is clearly that Giles is Buffy's watcher. Right. And, you know. And Faith's sort of. If he's you, a resource for Faith. Right, to use, exactly. You know, and when Faith the world is kind of Buffy's, you know co-slayer you know buffy sets out after faith trying to persuade her to play nice it's fun isn't it that they can hang out together in the school despite the fact that faith isn't a student (laughs) and way back in season one we had sunnydale high you know gated yes that giant fence that buffy jumps over Uh in one of the worst sequences ever yes Uh, but here apparently they've really opened up the campus now Mm -hmm. in season three um this may be because of course our students are now seniors and are allowed a little (laughs) more freedom but they're talking in sunnydale high faith reiterates her position on slay vis-a-vis the enjoying of it and here she has a a kind of hard-edged aristotelian approach aristotle said that that happiness eudaimonia Mm -hmm. in the greek was manifested first by the execution of our excellence Uh when we do the thing to which we are best suited we will be happy Mm -hmm. that is like aristotelian virtue ethics right there and that is the philosophy that faith is espousing here Mm -hmm. much later in the episode she's going to give us in a nutshell a very different kind of philosophy (laughs) uh particularly you know the will to power the idea that the strong take what they want Mm -hmm. i'm not sure which of those is true mm-hmm. and which of those is is more representative of faith's I mean which one approach? of these is genuinely faith's it's, yeah exactly. perceptive because yeah perception I feel, mm-hmm. I feel that there is something to the to the aristotle here i feel that there oh, is something absolutely. about the virtue ethics she that is, when you do the thing that you are built to do yeah you know that that is a key source of happiness and i think that's absolutely but true. then she's talking yeah. about doing the thing that she's built to do without regard for you know the conventions of right. society but the slayer is one girl in all the world the slayer is exceptional yeah. so in a way she can kind of unify these two usually opposed philosophies you know usually right. there's a huge difference between do the thing at which you are best <laughs> You know, and you will be happy as opposed to... do whatever to, you want to do and exercise your will. Exactly. I think that's an entirely different mindset. I think that the two mindsets can exist together. Yeah. Um, because doing it is, doing what it is that you love does not exclude you. It's not mutually exclusive from using the powers and strengths and, and abilities that you have. Not when you are inherently exceptional. And right. again, this drags mm-hmm. us back to this whole notion of exceptionalism in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is right. one of the most sophisticated philosophical discourses which is that the show really engages interesting, in. Which is a really interesting, yeah. It's a fascinating conversation and i am at least moved by faith in that moment uh, faith has the line hey slaying's what we're built for if you're not enjoying it you're doing something wrong right mm-hmm. and i think there's something to that yeah though clearly it has dark consequence which we'll get to in due course i mentioned just a few moments ago that i wish they'd included two things in the previously on or or better yet right. in the body of the episode itself the first is of course some direct reference to gwendolyn post and yes. specifically the consequence you know, faith. to Faith's right. sanity mm-hmm. and, and, and balance and sense of herself caused by Gwendolyn Post's betrayal. The other, of course, and I can't believe that we don't have it in this episode, Slayers Don't Kill. Yeah. That has become a mantra. We've pulled that yeah. out in episodes where it wasn't even directly relevant. Mm-hmm. But in this episode where it's more relevant than ever, nobody at any point says we don't really talk don't about kill. it yeah we don't we don't have that set up i mean it's kind of something if you've been watching buffy if you're part of the you know if you've yeah. been following it all the way through but if this is your first episode coming in um you may miss that a little bit although i think that they make it 
pretty clear pretty quickly no, but yeah they make it clear but but in universe we need right. that a little bit of that that cement there yeah, up front i mm-hmm. think so mm-hmm. i think so that night buffy investigates the greaves mausoleum in pursuit of the amulet of balthazar she finds it almost immediately but when she hears the members of the swordsman cult approaching she hides inside a sarcophagus because if there's one thing we know about buffy it's that she hides when vampires are around <laughs> buffy the vampire hider that's the name of our show <laughs> The vampires recover the amulet and leave, and Buffy emerges from her hiding place to find Faith. They set off in pursuit of the vampires, but Faith ignores Buffy's caution and jumps down into the sewers. And we're obviously doing this to demonstrate the difference between the two. We're obviously making Mm -hmm. Buffy more cautious than she usually is. And Mm -hmm. Buffy is, in this episode, or at least in the the first half of this episode, super cautious by her own standards. Mm -hmm. I mean, taking on six vampires is not exactly unprecedented. Yeah. And when Uh she's in the mausoleum and she hears the vampires approaching, she doesn't know how many there are. Mm -hmm. It would seem as though her first instinct is to hide. Right. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I mean, that's that's a little bit of the machinery of the plot. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Except that Buffy's approach to slaying is absolutely germane to the conversation. Yeah. Uh So one of the things that doesn't work for me fundamentally in this episode is that the Buffy that we get doesn't feel entirely like Buffy. She's made more conservative and Mm -hmm. more cautious, more textbook than she normally is in order to balance faith being more Being wild so and more wild and right. on the edge, right? As mm-hmm. they leave the mausoleum and they do the little bit of the, they do the little bit of mathematics to work out the odds. Yes. You know? <laughs> six against one. Well, now it's now it's three six against, against two, two, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not overwhelming odds for right. Buffy, mm-hmm. as we'll see, because you know she's handled fights like that before and she'll handle fights like that again in right. this very episode. Mm-hmm. But we have to make her more cautious in order to allow Faith to be more extreme. Right. Mm-hmm. In any case, they jump down into the sewers and we cut away to the library where Wesley is going through Giles's diaries and his account of his first meeting with Buffy. Giles is concerned that Buffy's running late. Wesley is not. Mm-hmm. In the sewers, our slayers battle the vampires. Things aren't going well. Buffy saves Faith, but is then grabbed and forced underwater as Faith is once again held hostage. We go into a weird slow motion as Buffy stops struggling, but a moment later, she's back on her feet, sword in hand, taking a moment to quip, I hate it when they drown me to no one at all, then fights off the vampires, grabs the amulet, and leaves. Okay, that's not fair. I know that line makes you nuts, but she quips all the time when she's... She quips all the time. Yeah. Faith is in the room with her. Mm -hmm. She could quip to Faith. She could quip to the vampire, which is uh, usually what she does. That's not what happens. Watch that sequence. <laughs> she quips all but directly into the camera lens. Uh, it is clearly, and with no context, yeah. I hate it when they drown me, isn't even a good line. That's, well, because it's a reference to it's a Prophecy, reference to Prophecy Girl, Girl, which again, you that's would have to have something that. for the fans. Right. And that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to put in something for the fans, don't have her wink at the camera when she does. This entire <laughs> sequence, this entire sewer sequence, the the episode would be markedly improved if this sequence were just cut. If I, you just had yeah. Buffy and Faith, you know, we cut away to the library, mm-hmm. we cut back to Buffy and Faith climbing out of the sewer grate, <laughs> you know, bloodied and disheveled uh-huh. with the amulet. No, because the I would thing like is, this episode. What's so, so great much about more. this about this moment is that Buffy kills the guy, gets the amulet, she's victorious, she does her quip, and then Faith says, yeah, you see, you know, you like that. And she goes, still, it didn't suck. But we can and, still have that line in the moment. No, I, I. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that this is a great 
sequence. I like the quip. I like the fact that Buffy has the amulet in her hand. She's just killed all these vampires. She's on a high and she says it didn't suck. I think that that is a pivotal moment for Buffy. I think this is the moment when Buffy is tempted by the the corruptive nature of her power. And I, I like it. I think it's important. No, I completely agree with your interpretation, and I completely agree that that is what they're going for. The scene doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I can kind of take it as read that that's yeah. what's happening, but I don't find I don't find the set is terrible. I don't find the fight choreography particularly good or convincing. And yeah. again, we have this problem with vampires ebbing and flowing in strength according to the needs of the plot. This is one of the ways in which the episode is just loose. Right. Suddenly, Buffy can take on four vampires at once, and then she's held by one vampire and forced underwater mm-hmm. by one vampire. Yeah. Not to mention, and okay, this is a real nitpick. Don't reference Prophecy Girl <laughs> in your dumb, inconsequential fight scene. Don't do that. It's too important. It's That is the time mm-hmm. where Buffy died. Yeah. That is fundamental to her sense of self and her place in the world. Don't quip about that. Okay, I will grant you... That the drowning, I, I like the quip after the drown. That's fine, but I like the drowning and all of that being. I, I, what is great about this moment? What I think we need is that Buffy and Faith go down there. They take on not six, but like twelve vampires. They kill them just dead one after the other boom 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 and they get the amulet i think that that is really important and that's what we need in this when buffy has that that smile on her face and she says it didn't suck sure yeah but again i think you could do that the reason that i think the scene would almost be better if we didn't see it unfold Mm -hmm. i want to blame michael lang for this yeah because i do think it's the direction Mm -hmm. it's the way that it's framed it's the way that it's choreographed it's the way that it's shot Mm-hmm. It's the limitation of special effects. Yes. We have that brilliant shot where Buffy throws the stake across the room and it impales it, the vampire impa- in the back. And instead of getting the dusting effect, because this was an expensive episode, right. I can't imagine how much uh-huh. money they spend on this episode. Uh, in, in number of sets, number of special effects, yeah. number of fight mm-hmm. sequences, it cost a lot of money to put together, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But instead of getting the dusting effect in that one instance, we cut away to this tight close-up on Faith's face. Mm-hmm. She just gives a little smile. Yeah. A little saucy smile. <laughs> what does that do? <laughs> uh, yeah. I would rather not have seen Buffy stake the vamp from across the room. Well, no, but it's get cool the, the way that she throws it and she gets. I don't know. Like I like in this in this scene the way that they are. It's it's choreographed, synchronized slaying. It's like this beautiful gymnastic event. And I think that you're example. you're right. It could have been done better. There could have been you know um, different things that they could have done. I, I really liked that they they worked together and and killed all these yeah. guys and got the stuff back and were victorious. And that Buffy got off on it there's you know? nothing wrong with the story like content of, of the mm-hmm. scene except except the drowning i, I draw the, the line of the drowning okay. don't do that it doesn't bother me as much but i i, I um, concede there yeah but mm-hmm. in terms of the motivation mm-hmm. uh, buffy's motivation in particular yeah i completely yeah. buy it mm-hmm. it's all in the execution in this one scene the next morning in the library buffy gives wesley and giles an account of her experience wesley takes the opportunity to remind her that he is her watcher not giles Neither Buffy nor Giles, of course, pays any attention to that. <laughs> and I rather love it. Buffy also, by this point, is wearing her leather jacket, which yes. is a sure sign that something's gone wrong. Exactly. Something has shifted. In Cam Lab, Buffy is telling Willow and Xander about her faith-inspired recklessness and the high that accompanied it, plus that leather coat, so that mm-hmm. isn't good. She just can't stop talking about it, even in the midst of the test, though she does notice Xander's eye twitch every time she mentions faith. Xander 
is just comic relief. Yes. He is super comic relief. He's just in this goofball episode. guy. And it's great. Yeah. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I could basically watch Nicholas Brandon do that all day. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, he's just the comic relief. Mm-hmm. Faith appears at the window of the chem lab, drawing a little heart. She fogs up the glass yes. <laughs> and draws a little heart. With a stake through it. Lesbian subtext? What lesbian subtext? No, it's a, it's a heart with a oh, stake through it. No, it is, it is a huge fan theory that there is striking lesbian subtext in this oh, episode. Well, there's a huge fan theory about every possible <laughs> pairing of any characters in any series So it, it doesn't strike you at all as they're no, being... it's a heart with a stake through it. She's talking about... No, 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 I'm not just talking vampires, about that, yeah. but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's compelling proof in and oh, of itself. Oh, do I think that there's, like, sexual chemistry between yeah. Buffy and Faith? Oh, sure. Yeah, you think Oh, so? sure. I don't, yeah, I think that they have great chemistry together. I don't think that it is a sexual relationship by nature, but I do think that they have a... Yeah, they have a, I, a closeness. I kind of remembered that, but watching the episode again, I was struck by how little, like, like yeah. spark of that type there is between them. How little chemistry there is. Oh, between I think them. there's a, a huge amount of so? when they're fighting together. I yeah. think when they're fighting together and they're really together. You know, I think that they do great. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> So, Faith at the window of the chem lab lures Buffy out of the test. Buffy goes off with her because there is a nest of vampires to be put down. We cut from some daytime slaying to our bad girls dancing in the bronze. Angel lurks and takes Buffy off the dance floor to tell her that reports of Balthazar's death may have been greatly exaggerated. He's in a warehouse in Sunnydale's extensive packing district, along with presumably like six other demons. It's where all the demons go. You know, it's not the packing district anymore. It's the demon it's district. It's the demon district. We should just call it what <laughs> let's it just is. Be, you know, let's be straightforward about it. Unless it's a pack of demons. <laughs> well, true. That could be what we're doing. <gasps> Unless think, they're demons who, in order to get this money that demons just always seem to have, have like a sausage packing industry oh, like going idea. in there yeah. as well. Because, you know, a guy's got to get, a, get well, some hey. money. If to the mayor is the mayor, stuff, this is true. then I choose to believe that most of Sunnydale's minor industry is actually just, <laughs> just run by run demons. Run by demons. Makes sense. <laughs> Wesley appears with the amulet in his pocket. He reminds Buffy that Balthazar is dead, but she's paying no attention. And I just, I love this scene. But, yeah. Buffy and Angel together. Are great. I love Working the Angel. problem. This is my Trusting Angel. each other. Respecting yeah. each other. Yeah. Just getting it done. It is a great great scene. Oh, and I love this because, okay, and this is a bit of a spoiler, just a tiny little bit of a spoiler for people when you watch Angel. Uh, Wesley will show up in Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and oh my God, this is the first time that Wesley and Angel meet. And for me, like, even though at the time it was written, I don't think anybody had any expectations that there oh, would no. be any like relationship <laughs> or anything with that. Um, but I just, I love this moment because it's that, it's that first time people meet and you know how like important they're going to be in each other's yeah. lives. And it's just like, oh, you know, I love that. No, it's a really great scene. <laughs> It's, yeah. it, Wesley, of course, is good in the scene too. He's fantastic. I love yeah. Buffy's confident little, you know, when yeah, she takes, she the takes angle, it out of his pocket. pooches your jacket, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> Anytime you can use the word pooches exactly. in a script, I'm, I'm going to support that. But really, it's the it's the energy, it's the chemistry, yeah. it's the interaction between Buffy and Angel in this I scene. I love it. We get so little of that. So much of their relationship is informed. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this is it. This is them working together and oh, doing and so I beautifully. Yeah. I absolutely adore it. Buffy pulls Faith from the throng of boys on the dance floor, and we cut to Balthazar, <laughs> who is just <laughs> grotesque. Who is hamming it up in the most, like, okay, first of all, like, this horrible outfit that, that he's, this, this, yeah, this, this like, prosthetic rubber fat suit. 
horribly obese yeah. in in this pool of I'm gonna say it's water that you oh, know women are ladling clearly eighty five percent urine by this point. Uh, they're, they're <laughs> now we have an episode over title. his shoulders. <laughs> oh God, it's so awful. I mean, it is it is possibly one of the grossest demons. And the the actor Christian Clemenson, who plays Abel Koontz, we just talked about yes. him in this week's episode of We Used to Be Friends. Um, uh, that's We Used to Be Friends, the Veronica Mars podcast, available now on StoryWonk.com. Did we not actually reference Dusted in this week's episode? I think we, we might have. We've, I think we have like cross episodes now. <laughs> There's synergy going on. I know. Corporate then, synergy. And then here he is. Here's yeah. Abel Koontz playing this uh, this crazy demon who is just, I mean, camp. Like, he had obviously he is campy beyond campy. Almost feels like he's not part of this episode. Yeah, no, it's it so does. crazy. Yeah. That's because someone obviously gave him a DVD of Prophecy Girl and said, oh, what the master does? Yes. Do that. Do that. Do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't. He doesn't yeah. do that. We talked back in season one about how hard it is to play that kind of. Right. That, that camp monologuing villain yeah. with real threat and malevolence behind it. Mm-hmm. And there's none well, of that Well, he doesn't here. because he's, he's stuck in a big terrible. tub. He's, 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 he can't do anything yeah. for himself. Other people have to take care of him. He has this like magical, I can pull you across the room, but like, can't people just yeah. walk away? And we get Isn't that the a standard, line of sight thing? <laughs> we, get the, <laughs> we get the standard scene where the villain executes one of his henchmen in order to prove that he is serious he is, business. Yes. Balthazar doesn't work. You know? No, and, and he doesn't. What's worse is that he's also irrelevant. Right. Mm-hmm. A vampire cult going after an amulet is all the threat that you need in this episode. We don't right. need to add a wrinkle. And that wrinkle that the Balthazar himself is clearly in the episode only to arc our season-long mayor storyline. Exactly. But which you can do with a a character who has like real malevolence. The thing is like the, the master was stuck underground and he, you know, relied on other people, but he also had like an essential charm that you could tell people they loved him. Like the vampires just loved him. (laughs) Whereas Balthazar, they're all afraid of him. And it seems like, well, why don't you just walk away then? If Balthazar proves anything, it's how difficult it was to thread the needle with the master. And how, yeah, what a miracle it was that they did it as well as they did. (laughs) And Balthazar completely shows why that's so difficult and hats off to everything that they did in the first season with the master that that worked at all. Um, Because that was an entire season's worth. At least this is only one episode. Outside the warehouse in one of the many alleys in Sunnydale's bustling packing Mm -hmm. district. Buffy and Faith are looking in on the meeting. Buffy, though, wants supplies before they attack. Faith breaks into a sports store across the street, picking up combat supplies and stuffing nunchucks into her pants. (laughs) Sure, sure. Want, take, have, she Mm -hmm. says. And this is... This is the counterbalance to yeah. that idea of, you know, Aristotelian virtue ethics. This is right. the counter- this is the Nietzschean side of that coin. Uh-huh. We are slayers. We are special. No one is going to stop us. We do the thing that we want to do. But we are exceptional. And by our exceptionalism, that excuses any choice that we make. Yes. You know, which is... Yes. This, um, is this is Nietzschean will to power. This yes. is, you know, mm-hmm. we are not weak. Therefore, we do not have to value the the mm-hmm. tender kindnesses of, of mercy and compassion and empathy. We right. do what we want to do because we're strong enough to do because it. we can right? yeah mm-hmm. and that's as, as i said you know I, I think there's real philosophical sophistication to that take on the slayer uh-huh. you know? because the nietzschean stuff is boring the nietzschean right. stuff is th- th- there's nothing interesting there you know mm-hmm. philosophically or narratively mm-hmm. but combining it with Aristotelian virtue. With, right. with Aristotle. It is a dark side of and Aristotelian with, virtue. It is it is where Aristotelian virtue taken to excess. Yeah, because virtue you. ethics 
right. demand that you act as a part of your community. Right. But if mm-hmm. you are the Slayer, you have no community. Right. You know, you you have a community of one, or I guess in this case, two. Two. Mm-hmm. Um, so faith is acting with a certain amount of of philosophical, you mm-hmm. know, consistency. Right. Even though I, I still I still have trouble pinning down exactly what it is that faith believes. And we'll yeah. talk about that at the end of the episode because we're going Faith to have a very whatever example. serves her best in the moment. Faith is an of the moment no, kind perhaps. of girl. I'm not sure that she's concerned when she does something, whether it's uh, philosophically consistent with her previous stances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she's the kind of girl who, in the moment, she will, rather than try to be consistent, she will find a philosophy that suits her at that time. Yeah. No, I think there's definitely mm-hmm. something to that. This is the moment when Sunnydale PD, for literally the first time ever, <laughs> exhibit competence. They hold the Slayers at gunpoint. Buffy and Faith are cuffed and bundled into the back of the police car with the most minor of persuasions. Faith convinces Buffy to kick whatever that dividing screen is, I well, suppose. can't save the world in jail. That is a yes. very, that is a very attractive thought because it's not just that you're trying to get out of trouble. It's that Gotta save the world, you know? Yeah, um, which plays to this idea of Slayer exceptionalism. Yeah. But for me, at least, isn't convincing. I don't think that Faith's priority is saving the world. Faith's priority is not going to jail. Right, but Faith knows exactly what to say to get Buffy to do right. it. Right, but there's <laughs> that's complicated, too, because the more that Faith you know, misrepresents her position in yeah. order to manipulate Buffy, the less convincing Buffy's kind of arc into darkness becomes because yeah. Buffy's not stupid. I find it wholly convincing. I find it incredibly convincing because everybody, I think, especially when we're younger, have that experience where you hang out. I mean, how influential are kids' friends on yeah. them? You know, you hang out with somebody and they make something seem reasonable. They make something seem cool and fun. And sure, then it's only no. after you've already fallen into it that you realize how stupid it was. But we're not arriving at this conflict for the first time. We've been dealing with faith darkness and Buffy's resistance to that through the and whole Buffy's season. And Buffy's resistance to the corruptive nature of her power. I mean, Absolutely. she has been working with this for a long this time. This is not our first Still, rodeo. And that yeah. means that the less sincere mm-hmm. Faith is being, the more manipulative she is, right. the less convincing I find Buffy's arc. Yeah, no, I, I completely if, believe her temptation. I completely believe that she Faith is tempted to go in this space. Mm-hmm. The actual, you know, right. <laughs> her actual philosophy here. Mm-hmm. If she actually, is, as she does back at Sunnydale High, I right. think that mm-hmm. works a lot better. Right. The want, take, have is a little harder for me. Because it's not as though Buffy hasn't encountered this before. So it right. feels like we're getting we're getting a more conservative Buffy, and then we're getting a less conservative Buffy. We're yeah. getting a Buffy who's less experienced, who hasn't had to confront these kinds of issues before. Buffy has wrestled with this stuff. She's mm-hmm. wrestled with, you know, the possible consequence of killing a human being. Yeah. She's wrestled with using her power unfairly and unjustly. We've been down this road, but looking just at this episode, you would think it was the first time we'd ever considered it. No, I still, I buy it. When you're with somebody that you're, you know, she's obviously having a great time with Faith. She's enjoying this. Maybe she's looking at it and thinking yeah. maybe Faith's right. You know, that's fair. Here's the thing. I don't think that it doesn't work. Yeah. I think that it mostly works. Mm -hmm. But what doesn't work about it is just that looseness. I understand. It's Mm -hmm. just the ragged frayed edge. Mm -hmm. You could do a pass through the script and just tighten all this stuff up and it would be a perfect episode of Buffy. Mm -hmm. But the looseness is 
is recurring. It feels like every time you turn around, there's another like, well, why are we there's doing that? Why are we wasting time with this? Bit, why yeah. aren't we cinching these things up together? Right. Particularly, of course, and this is like the main thematic problem with the episode. Here we have Buffy acting out. Here we mm-hmm. have Buffy walking into dark spaces with Faith. She's lured. She's tempted yes. by Faith. Mm-hmm. The B-plot in the episode is the introduction of Wesley, who is there to be strict and forceful and by the book and all of these things. Those two storylines offer huge thematic resonance mm-hmm. and yet are not contrasted at all. They're not put, the pitched against each other. The moment where they They're cross not... over is the moment where Faith walks into the library, right. says, screw this, and walks out again. Because Wesley's, hold, Wesley's place in this thing isn't putting pressure on the, the story between Buffy and Faith. Yes. Buffy and Faith, this thing could exist and escalate exactly the way that it is if Wesley were not even there. At the same time, Wesley's side of this story does have that thematic resonance. So why not have it put pressure right. on this um, on this relationship? There's a ton to, of potential. Yeah, no, I can, absolutely, I can absolutely see that and as again, a missed opportunity. That's not to say mm-hmm. it's bad. It's just, a, it's, it makes me, I, I what still the hell are it. you doing? Yeah, you no, had I all of this stuff. What are you doing? I completely understand everything yeah. that you're saying and I don't disagree, but I it just doesn't bother me. No, no. And that's yeah. the thing. That's the gap between, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> between analysis and emotional response, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. It works for you fundamentally mm-hmm. in a way that it doesn't, that it, that it works less completely right. mm-hmm. for me. You know, th- that doesn't change our kind of objective assessment of mm-hmm. the show, I think. It's mm-hmm. just how fully we're convinced by it and, and where we end up on that. And again, we're not as far apart, I right. think, mm-hmm. <laughs> as we may seem to be. In any case, they crash the police car. Buffy and Faith abscond into the night. The next morning, Buffy scours the newspaper for an update on what happened. And Joyce is good Joyce. I love Joyce in this. She's this is my funny Joyce. enough. She's yes. wry. Mm-hmm. She's Obviously sensitive to the fact that something's bothering Buffy, but she doesn't right. pry. She just She's offers fun and support. playful and wants to make waffles. And I love this too. The, <laughs> no, they only don't have calories if I make them for you. You know, like that's such a classic mom thing. I you like know, that. it's no, it's great, and it shows Joyce's humanity. It yeah. shows her sweetness. This is the Joyce that I remember loving. Yes. This is the Joyce I was looking for in season one, and, and we was only so get disappointed by one yeah. scene in this episode. But it's, but it's great. a perfect. Scene. But it's great, Joyce, and it's Joyce mm-hmm. doing exactly what she should do in Absolutely. the framework of this episode. It's, it's yeah. really beautifully done. In the mayor's office, the mayor is meeting with Mr. Trick about the Balthazar situation when Vincent, one of the Illuminati, bursts from the creepy cabinet <laughs> to attack him. I'm not going to spend any time at all on how he fit in that cabinet. I do not think there is enough distance between the doors and the shelves for him to actually fit in that cabinet. Very true. That's fine. I will be watching that the next time we revisit (laughs) the mayor's secret cabinet. (laughs) Mr. Trick knocks Vincent out immediately, chastising him for using a sword when guns have been invented. (laughs) The mayor orders Vincent locked up, and we cut to Balthazar raging at the incompetence of his cult. We learn that it was the mayor who crippled Balthazar a century ago, and now the gloves are off no honor no holds barred his men are to bring him the watchers willow meanwhile is giving buffy the protection spell she started working on back in gingerbread uh-huh. which is a really nice Very bit nice. of continuity yeah. that i love buffy is somewhat restrained telling willow that she shouldn't come along to the warehouse raid it's too dangerous faith appears and drags buffy out ready for the attack on balthazar armed with her new longbow i have a problem with the scene between buffy and willow Okay. I completely get Buffy walking into dark spaces. Totally yes. get that arc that she's going through. I buy that. Let, let's assume I buy that 100%. Mm-hmm. Why is she dissuading Willow from coming along? 
we've just yeah. come through a whole arc talking mm-hmm. about the importance of the Scoobies. You know, that and is, how this whole anything, team works together. Yes, and that yes. is the theme of season three, which we abandoned last week for the Zeppo because yep. then we excluded Xander. Um, right. But Willow was, you know, but she had anything, her magic. She has, she was part of the team. Exactly. She was, in the Buffy storyline in the right. Zeppo, mm-hmm. the team is more important than ever. Well, and, and Willow's, Willow's place within that team has yeah. been, you know, even has been made even stronger. Magical artillery. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, so this idea that Buffy would tell Willow, no, you know, you hang back. We don't need you on this one or whatever. I mean, Maybe there aren't like huge magical forces going on here. It is very vampire, um, you know, from the book Vampire for the most part, and then but as standard Willow demon points out. She's yeah. been involved in hundreds of these things. Exactly. She's been around the block. She yeah. can handle herself. She's a part of the team. I think we're clearly supposed to infer that you know there's a connection between Buffy arcing toward Faith and mm-hmm. arcing away from the Scoobies, and that Faith I don't pulls her away. From understand. Her Mm-hmm. I don't understand that dynamic. Well, I mean, the thing is, and again, I think this is a missed opportunity that when characters like Faith usually enter your life and offer you this new way of looking at the world, they tend to dissuade you from the old way you used to look at the right. world. And had Faith done it would have taken a line that, in the script. Yeah. You know, had Faith had, you know, Buffy said, well, you know, Willow and, and Giles and everything. And, and Faith said, no, look, you know, we're just going to end up having to save them. It's it's not worth it. We can handle these guys. We took out 10 of them the other day by ourselves, you know, or if there was something like that where, where Faith was trying to pull Buffy away, which is what happens in these relationships. They try to pull you away from your current community so that they can become your or community. Even if, you know, the chem test was actually yeah. the following day. And Buffy was protecting Willow's normal life. You know, if we or, saw yeah. Buffy mm-hmm. allowing Willow the space that she needs to study for this final, or she After has an having interview talked with the about college all of something. the colleges and everything. Look, yeah. your grades, you have a future, you have all this great stuff going on. You really need to focus on that. Right. Stuff because or there's no right. separation in this episode mm-hmm. between Buffy's Slayer life and high school life. No, right. like, no, like, you know, plot mm-hmm. relevant thematic, you right. know, mm-hmm. important distinction between those two lives. It would be nice if there were. It mm-hmm. would give us a little extra leverage right. to understand the scene because as it is in the script, there's nothing to explain. Mm-hmm. The scene, we have to we have to whistle past it or we have to, you know, backfill and speculate intent here. Right. Uh, we have to wonder why Buffy's feeling mm-hmm. exactly the way that she's feeling right. with, with, you know, with regard to Willow and presumably Xander, though yeah. God knows we don't get a beat about that mm-hmm. either. So it's difficult to kind of figure all of that out or even, even, if Wesley had said something to Buffy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're dragging these amateurs into your investigations. Yes, into your into the life of the slayer. The life of the slayer is a solitary one. Mm-hmm. You are endangering these people, right? By bringing them in, you work mm-hmm. with faith, and that's it. If we'd had one, it would have taken one line. It would have taken anything you know, to a yeah. Half but otherwise, it is it is a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In the library, meanwhile, Wesley diagnoses Giles' emotional problem: his attachment to the slayer. It is time for someone else to take over. And those four vampires standing outside (laughs) offer a perfect time to start. (laughs) Buffy and Faith, meanwhile, are slaying their way through the back alleys of Sunnydale until at last they run into Alan, a very non-vampiric, very Mm -hmm. human deputy mayor. Faith stakes him, and he dies moments later in Buffy's arms. Mm -hmm. It is easy to believe that that is the big moment in the episode. Yes. That is not the big moment in the episode. So we'll, we'll hold our conversation about that, I think, mm-hmm. until we get the actual <laughs> the actual moment of devastation, yes, the actual moment that will have absolutely. consequences. Because uh-huh. believe it or not, this is not This is, it. yes. Mm-hmm. 
Faith drags Buffy away as the blood drips. Buffy runs into Angel, who spots the literal blood on her hands, and tells her that the vampires have captured Giles. Faith, meanwhile, lingers in the alley, touching the blood on Alan's chest. In the warehouse, Giles and Wesley are horrified by Balthazar, as well they might be. Giles is quippy, but Wesley wants to trade, offering up the amulet in exchange for his safety. Balthazar demands to know the man's name! And it's Angel. <laughs> hey, you name remember is earlier Angel. in the show? Yes. Earlier in the show, I said that um, <laughs> there's one of the worst lines uh, right. ever written down. Really? If, if you look at the entirety is, of human writing. It's going a long way, Yeah, I think. yeah, it's really weird. If you look at the entirety of human writing, from the first scratches made sure in the sand, a lot of stuff that's worse all than the this. way through to stuff that was written this very morning, all the way through to my notes on this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> In all of that, if you sifted it out and just found the very worst examples of yeah. writing, that line, his name is Angel, as said oh. by Angel, would be... Coming in in his vamp face, kicking ass, I think it's awesome. I, I love have it. no problem with him coming in in his vamp face, kicking ass. I mm -hmm. have no problem with that at all. As I said, I love everything that Angel does yes. in this episode. You don't agree with me that that I, line is the worst thing. Not only do I not agree with you, I do not I do not even understand why that strikes you as the worst thing ever. It's okay. a very it's simple not, line. It's not it's, that okay. line in a vacuum. It's a it's little quippy. Balthazar wailing. <laughs> what is the name of the man who has my amulet? His name is Angel. I'm Batman. I like it. Please. <laughs> I don't care. I love it. May, it. it I love also... that moment. I love when Angel comes in, his leather jacket just billowing behind him. He's got his angel face on. He's no, ready to kick he's ass. Cool. I this love is great this angel. angel. I, I so line. sick of guilty, broody angel. I love yep. this kicking ass guy. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I find that line. Uh, it makes me physically tense. I it, it makes totally me understand. There are certain lines that do that to me too, but I got to say, <laughs> I, when this happened, I was like, Angel! Yeah, no, I loved it. Wow, I you were just it. all over it, huh? Well, no, because here's the thing. Everything that Balthazar says and everything, and I don't blame this on, on Christian Clemens and I don't blame it. On, I, like, I think this is all in the direction. No, I, and I think he did what was asked I of him. I think he did exactly yeah. what was asked of him. But Balthazar is a ridiculous, campy piece of whatever in the middle of this episode, this episode which is full of awesome i yeah. love this episode um so for me balthazar is just gonna be bad and i just kind of accept it i just kind of like okay do your thing do your gross little in a tub with the yeah dirty bath water being that draped over you it's definitely a storyline in which less would be more the oh, less we saw less of balthazar so much more and he's also so incredibly campy i mean yeah. he has the camp turned up to 11 on this and it's just unnecessary <laughs> oh, it goes way past 11 because when the fight breaks out in the warehouse go back and listen to oh balthazar god, screaming no. like a Unacceptable. dalek in the background oh my god seriously give the man a toilet plunger and a whisk and he would <laughs> you know no it is it's it's he's terrible but i love Angel. I love when yeah. Angel comes in. I love this fight scene. I love Giles. I love when Buffy takes the sword and she slices through the um, the binds on yeah. Giles' wrist, even though that looks really dangerous. And there are some very big <laughs> arteries right there. She's a slayer. She she's a slayer. She knows what to do. So and then and as he, soon as Giles, by oh, inference, when Giles grabs, I know when Giles grabs the sword yes. and he whips it over his head, and then he's like down, and Wesley ducks down, and he's Wesley's <laughs> peeing himself, and he slices off the guy's nope. head, and oh my, all that God, stuff is great. It's awesome. And when Wesley Wesley is there saying, um, 
you know, I would like to, I'd like to tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you whatever, you know, and then Giles is like, well, if you're going to make me, you know, hose or reach those uh, hard to reach spots, yes. I suggest you yes. kill me now. Like there's so much in this whole scene that I absolutely adore. I adore Giles' um, strength and courage, yeah. especially up against Wesley's, you know, lack of courage um, and weaseliness. And at the same time, even with Wesley being that kind of guy, I absolutely adore Adore him well, because these are the uncontrolled circumstances. Exactly, I, mean, I know. He boasts earlier in the episode about how he's two faced vampires, two vampires, uncontrolled circumstances. <laughs> yeah, no, but I love that too because while he's bragging, he's still being honest. Yeah. Like he's not like in the field. He's he's like under controlled circumstances. And Giles, like you won't find any of those here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's great, it's and, and the relationship between Giles yeah. and Wesley is is incredibly good. It allows both of those characters to be engaging in in very different ways this is great giles throughout this episode and again you know my criticisms of this episode are are i'm most frustrated with it because the choices made are baffling well, I don't understand some of why these it isn't loose better. strings too can be fixed really easily. All of them, um, all of them, a can couple be fixed lines, trivially. yeah, and, and that I can see how that's frustrating me. I enjoy all of this so much. Like I'm so busy loving the stuff that I love. Yeah, that I'm just like okay. I accept. I accept. I have come to peace. It's like a Buddhist <laughs> thing. I have come to peace with Balsasar. Balsasar is what he is, and that's fine. Whatever. Um, and I do. I love Christian Clemenson, but he did the same thing with Abel Kuntz earlier yeah. this week. Um, and he is great if you need some real, you know, something camped. A up. real camp. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I really, I love 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 everything else so much in this scene that i just don't have any emotion left for hating the stuff that's bad yeah. <laughs> that's actually a pretty good place to be i think you're, I, you're just I so full it. up with love i enjoyed it i was so full no up with love i got I no space for it yeah. so the battle rages and it, it's well put together mm-hmm. it's well enough put together there's more kicking and throwing yeah. than usual buffy fight choreography sure there's a lot of kicking and throwing right. in this whole sequence then things are suddenly interrupted by balthazar seizing angel Buffy immediately drops an electrical line into the hot tub. Okay, moment of speculation. Would that not, too, have shocked Angel? It might have shocked Angel, but vampires, you gotta you gotta set them on fire, you gotta cut off their head, you gotta sure, get them in the heart with a little piece of wood. There's no, like, sign of response at all. Well, although... I watched because I was like, well, wouldn't that hurt Angel? But the thing is, Balthazar immediately releases Let's him go before we get Angel's, okay. and Angel okay. falls okay. away. So, all right. I buy it. Balthazar finally dies, but not before giving Buffy an ominous warning about what will happen when he rises. There you go. Why, whoever could he be talking about? I don't know. Completely irrelevantly, we cut to the mayor <laughs> who performs a powerful ritual that causes the earth to quake. He returns the vampire's sword, Trick opens the cage, and with a single blow, the vampire splits the mayor's head in two, only for it to immediately reform. And let me tell you, in 1998, that was not a cheap special effect. That was a serious special effect. It was not cheap. Absolutely. Trick stakes the vampire and does so with a great kind of casual... Oh, no, I Okay, this is finished now. Oh, God. (laughs) K. Todd Freeman makes me so happy every time. He's not in this Ah, season nearly enough. That's the problem. I find it so frustrating because he's great in every scene that he's in. He's fantastic. But he gets so little to do. He does, and it drives me crazy. Nothing can harm the mayor now until the ascension, 100 days in the future. In Faith's motel, she is scrubbing her hands out damn spot Mm -hmm. indeed. When Buffy appears, being a slayer, she says, isn't the same as being a killer. But Faith has shut down. She dumped the body and she doesn't 
care. Well, no, but what I love at the end of this is you don't get it. You killed a human. And Faith says, no, you don't get it, Buffy. I don't care. And we cut and all, I mean, it is, this is what you're talking about. That the moment she kills Alan is not the big deal. The moment in which she doesn't care, you know? The moment in which she chooses not she, to well, care. Exactly. That that's yeah. the choice. Because you see when she goes back and looks at him in the alley yeah. when it's just her and him, you can see. Well, and when she's Lady Macbething over the sink. You know, well, right. You know, hands, scrubbing, scrubbing the, well, she's not scrubbing her hands. She's actually oh, yeah, getting the, 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 yeah, yeah. the thing out of her shirt. But, um, but I mean, yeah, just like this moment where she makes this very conscious choice to say, all right, this is something that I've done yeah. and I'm not going to feel bad but about it. But the choice it. is, right. it seems to me, at least in this moment, I can be human and vulnerable and accept the consequences. Exactly. Or I can deny it and shut down right, and, and rely upon my own strength and my own independence, and which is what is I've always what done she, before. This is what she chooses yeah. to do. And that's a natural choice and for that's faith. that's why... That's why I don't want to focus on Faith killing Alan because that is a terrible thing that happens. That is, okay? but it's an accident. She it obviously is. didn't intend to kill human. Had she's she not, realized it, and she's not even yeah. being particularly, you know, impetuous and uncontrolled in that moment. Well, a not little bit particularly. though. She's so like Faith has gone so far into the high she gets off of that slaying. Yeah. Buffy noticed that Alan was human, you know, um, in time. Faith, wait, no, stop, right? Yeah. Faith didn't because yeah. she was so like worked Consumed up in her own by it. because yeah. she didn't have any brakes on her car at all. No, you know, you're absolutely um, right, and that's because she'd gone too far down that path, right? And already. that's a consequence mm-hmm. of her. Yes, that's the difference. I think it's not that in the moment mm-hmm. she was unrestrained, right. and, and accidentally killed a person. Mm-hmm. It's that she is so so far down that path. She she's is so, so deep far into that she her didn't own even notice, right? Superpowered slayer mm-hmm. that she can't. She's just not receptive to the outside world anymore or at least sufficiently sensitive to the outside world anymore at that point so she kills the deputy mayor and Mm -hmm. that is a terrible thing obviously and it's played beautifully yeah it is the moment of suspension it's such a big moment oh gosh and then when you see alan yeah and i mean we really live through that moment with them and one of the things that buffy does really really well is it deals with human death in a very serious, Absolutely very real is. way, yeah. whereas, you know, demon or vampire death can almost sometimes be played for laughs, you know? Well, it um, has to be because network TV. <laughs> it has to be because it's all, you know, but w- in this moment of human death, I mean, this is a very serious moment. Um, yeah. It's it's a pivotal moment for Buffy, for Faith, for everything that's happening in this season. And they really treat it with that, that reverence and but that death. they also understand, and this I think is where Buffy plays best to mm-hmm. fans, to yeah. people who have really absorbed the entire series, who understand the stakes that are in play here. Mm-hmm. The moment when Faith chooses to turn her back on redemption. Right. Because I think we can understand that this is a thing that happened. Yes, it was a terrible thing. Yes, there will be a price to be paid because, but if you know, you're willing Buffy to put and the work in, you can come back exactly from it. Right. And Faith's like, I don't want to come back. Yeah. yeah. She's refusing to acknowledge that there's a problem and mm-hmm. therefore cannot find a solution. Right. And that is the moment. That is the moment of darkness. The thing that I absolutely love, by the way, if you're watching this on Netflix, as I did, <laughs> we have that just, you know, gut punch of a finale. Right. You, know, you don't understand. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And we cut to the credits and it's it's hard and it's this this incredibly sharp cut. And then when you're watching on Netflix, they hide away the credits up in that little corner and yeah. give you the preview image for the next episode, which at least as I was watching it, is Willow with her mouth open, just looking shocked. <laughs> it's Willow just looking appalled. And I thought it was the perfect confluence of preview that images. That is beautiful. Next right? time on Buffy. <gasps> it's so good. <laughs> It's so good. 
No, it's an incredibly yeah. powerful moment. And I love that it recognizes because, of course, you know, we shouldn't mm-hmm. diminish the actual right. act mm-hmm. of, of killing here. Right. I hesitate even to call it murder. You know, it's it's not it's an accidental it's manslaughter, but well, it is the killing. Of I actually went and looked human. this up. Yeah. It is possible that it's not manslaughter. <gasps> really? Yes, because I in California, manslaughter is when you accidentally kill somebody. It is. But in California, uh, second degree homicide uh-huh. includes this idea about uh, malice aforethought, which includes reckless behavior. Oh, you don't, if you are acting recklessly and it causes someone to die. Right. Then it's not, strictly speaking, an accident. That's a very interesting nuance. And I have to say, I see a Little point with that. I, distinction. If you're acting <laughs> recklessly and, and Faith was yeah. being reckless. Well, that would be the yeah. argument, I guess. So so I hesitate to call it murder, but right. I mean, legalistically, because I know we'll get emails. But she does bear, it's not like something happened that was so completely out of her control. Had she had even the tiniest bit of a leash on herself to double check yeah. herself before she did anything the way that Buffy did, yeah. um, then this wouldn't have happened happened you know but because she she didn't restrain herself at all because she never checked her own behavior but that double um, whammy yeah. of killing him that's first reckless, in, right. in, in the first place mm-hmm. and then you know right. how do you feel about about her disposing of the body it's the stupidest thing oh really it's the stupidest thing well i mean yeah like you know you put a body in the river i'm sorry okay a body in the river and maybe this is just TV culture. Maybe other people out there are able to put bodies in the river and nobody ever <laughs> finds them. Um, or off to sea, possibly at Sunnydale's extensive docks. Ex- extensive docks, right, exactly. But the thing is that like a body in the river is like anybody on television with a cough. A body in the river means it's going to float <laughs> to the surface and everybody's going to find out. Um, so anybody who coughs means that they're going to die. Because obviously if you cough at all, you're going, you're immediately going to have some kind of terminal illness in television, you know? There's nothing in the script to support this. I feel that there's something in Eliza Dushku's performance when she's relating this information to Buffy. Yeah. Where it almost feels as though it wasn't just about covering her ass. It wasn't just about hiding the evidence. Yeah. It was also about, I don't know, I want to say like taking care of the body. That it was almost, you know, doing whatever. And of course, we don't know what it was that she did. But doing whatever she did was almost you know, a mark of respect was almost a, that it wasn't, I don't know. There's something oh, in Eliza Dushku's performance way. in that moment that suggests to me that perhaps it wasn't an entirely selfish and pragmatic act. Oh, that seems to me like an, an you incredibly, didn't I think it was phenomenally yeah. stupid. I have nothing in the text to support it I think it, it was phenomenally was just, stupid, but I also think that it was, it was her trying to erase that it had happened yeah. at all. Um, I think it was her trying to extend her denial about what actually happened but i love the sophistication of of separating those two events with yeah. what is essentially the climax of this week's mm-hmm. episodic story this week's a plot you yeah know? we have the moment when faith kills him and then the real kicker the moment when she doesn't care or she professes right. not to care Killing and of course the accident professing you know? not to care and it's so yeah. great that buffy has kind of trained us to understand through amends through the zeppo through all right. our explorations of these themes mm-hmm. in this season buffy has trained us to understand that it's not that faith doesn't care it's that she's choosing not to care choosing not to care infinitely worse than yes, actually not than caring. actually actually not caring being like a born psychopath yeah. or whatever is just the way you are you're just essentially broken but to have human feeling and to deny it and push it away and you know i mean it is it's worse it is um and uh, and i find that such an interesting crunchy space to end this episode and for us to pick up next week 
Right. And we'll certainly, you know, obviously, Consequences, yeah. I don't think, does form a, a two-part story with this episode. But, but it's definitely a sister episode. They're immediately it's, connected. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll obviously have a lot to talk about, about the falling out yeah. uh, from this episode. Is there anything else that we want to talk about that we haven't hit in our journey through it? Well, I feel one like this of the things is the mayor, um, yes. because because everything happening with Faith and with Buffy and with all this stuff is such a big deal. And Wesley and I mean, everything in this episode is so cool. We don't really think about the mayor that much. But I mean, w- and I may be, you know, this may just be my experience as I have learned from every time I've said, well, this is my experience on Dusted. Nobody else has that experience. <laughs> um, but for me, the first time I watched this through, um, I looked at the mayor and thought, OK, well, you know, first of all, he doesn't show up for like a lot of the opening. Then he's finally there and he seems sort of goofy and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, he's he's trying to be bad, but he's also playing this like 1950s G-Shucks kind of mayor, you know? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until now, even in Band Candy, when he tried to like take all the babies and feed them to the monster, he wasn't like actually, he had his henchmen do that, which is a little bit different. It's it's still doesn't make me feel like he's dangerous like i should be afraid of him you know um and in this episode like as much as this episode kind of pulled together what faith's role is in this season i feel like this episode pulled together who the mayor is in this season and this is the first moment where i was like oh this guy is serious you know yes yeah um i thought the ritual was a little stagey yeah uh, i thought it was a little predictable honestly mm-hmm. i thought it was a little kind of oh we got a guy you know in this ritual circle yeah uh, ominous chanting in latin the earth shakes you know uh-huh. th- that felt a little a, a little obvious perhaps um clearly the demonstration of his right uh, mm-hmm. of his uh, invulnerability i suppose yes. <laughs> or at least his, his super advanced healing factor mm-hmm. the fact that he is now wolverine you know, right times mm-hmm. uh, i thought that demonstration was fairly appropriate mm-hmm. i thought this was perhaps the best synthesis of of avuncular small town mayor yeah and uh-huh. you know creepy demonic power yeah um that we've had i could have lived without balthazar's ominous foreshadowing because dude we get it yeah <laughs> particularly mm-hmm. to have the ominous foreshadowing and then to cut to the mayor so that we see exactly right exactly you know? uh-huh. balthazar didn't give enough information to buffy mm-hmm. you know um so so the way that the mayor story interacts with the rest of the episode isn't perfect, yeah. but I do find the mayor story utterly compelling. And I this really is when love, I, I you know, really started to be like, oh, okay. When he's talking about Marmaduke as being unsanitary. You yes. Know, dogs get on the furniture yes, that's unsanitary. Exactly. And he, he you know, goes over to his cabinet of awful horrors and takes out the little hand wipe. Uh, yeah, which is something, hands, which is kind of a shtick great. he's been yeah. pulling all throughout the season. Um, and and then, then, you know, having Trick as his as his number two, basically, mm-hmm. you know, pulling in this this very dangerous vampire that we've seen and all of the things that he does i found to be like oh it's it's really cute how we're like putting this g-shucks mayor up against you know these these demonic forces but it wasn't until like this moment where you know he gets his head cut in half and then he's like hey 100 days let's go you know um there's something about that that really pulled the mayor together for me as somebody i'm going to take seriously during this season as opposed to somebody that i'm just like rolling my eyes at you know yeah i think what i liked most about it um in its execution, we should talk about the Boy Scouts because I thought that was the best scene. Oh, God, yes. When they leave. Yes. <laughs> those kids, the future of America. And I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> uh, but what works for me in, in terms of the broader narrative mm-hmm. is, you know, the master was working towards something. There was a prophecy and he was going to work toward it. Yes. And then we had Angel who was just, you know, wreaking devastation and that was all fine too. The mayor, though, occupies a different narrative space. Buffy doesn't know anything about him. Mm -hmm. He's already performed the ritual that makes him invulnerable. 
ascension is now inescapable. Yes. This is a thing that is going to happen. It's not a thing. There's not a, there's not a, a push pull of, of protagonist antagonistic conflict here. Mm-hmm. This is just a thing that is going to unfold and Buffy to date knows nothing about it. Yeah. And that's powerful stuff. Um, would it be more powerful if we'd seen more interactions between Buffy and the mayor? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm generally less enthusiastic about these hard cuts away to our antagonist's POV. Right. That's true whether it's the mayor or Balthazar or any other, you know, episodic mm-hmm. monster. I, I care less about the story. The more kind of, <laughs> the more of the antagonist's POV we get, mm-hmm. the less I like it. Yeah. Uh, is, is generally how these things work out, which again, reassuring how amazing the master is, mm-hmm. how amazing Spike is. You right. Know, we have these extended mm-hmm. diversions into their POVs, and I love every scene that's contained therein. This, I, I, I could see the argument that the mayor would work better if he were more directly accountable to Buffy and connected to mm-hmm. Buffy's experience of life in Sunnydale. That said, I think these scenes are great, and I think they're really seeding a powerful villain. For, yeah, for no, I next. like it. I like yeah. the way that they've done the mayor, and I even like that throughout the first half of the of the season, I was like, "Well, I don't know what this guy's going to do." Like that's so, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's just because <laughs> there's something so like sinister about that. There's uh, something yeah. Lynchian about well, no, that about sinister. that about that 1950s, yes. you know, wholesome. That is, in essence, I think really it has a very sinister side to it already Absolutely. and then when you when you couple that with real demonic activity it's it's fascinating so let's talk a little about where this episode is going to go on our big list this of Buffy is going to be interesting because i have it shooting like right up to the top five yeah i don't think we're that far apart okay. really um the problems in it frustrate me because there's no need for them because there's no need to have Buffy say that the one vampire wasn't with the other vampires. No, I can completely there's no understand. Need to leave the scene because with Willow they're so completely simply fixed. It's not like these are problems that, like, yeah, I'd struggle with that too. Yeah. It's like you, one more run through the the script, you change a couple of lines, and you fix most of this stuff. Exactly right, mm-hmm. it's including you know one more run through the script and perhaps a little better execution you and know? a serious edit of Balthazar and who he yeah, is and edit how that Balthazar works, right? down, mm-hmm. cut some of that stuff in the sewer, right. take out the stuff with the drowning. Um, or, or at least, at the very least, mm-hmm. you know, get a second take on the quip. Right. You know, mm-hmm. have her quip to someone who is present in the scene <laughs> instead of to us sitting at home on our couches. Right. Because that, that's really close to a fourth wall break for Buffy. You know, she's not looking down the camera, but she yeah. almost is. It, it's close enough. Uh, of course, I have huge problems with the angel line, sure or at do. least the execution and the delivery right. of the mm-hmm. angel line. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not angel it's not yeah. his fault that yeah. i hate that line so much but and there's a ton of great stuff mm-hmm. to love in the episode which is why these minor nitpicks right. frustrate me so well, it's why they stand out yeah so well in something that is almost flawless you're gonna see the flaws much more than something that's just generally a mess okay now you're talking top five that's what you've said i am serious I'm top five gonna go further than that pin it down okay. where does it go i think honestly and i know you're gonna have a problem with this i put it at number three right above passion <laughs> I know. You think I'm going to have a problem with putting bad girls above passion? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's crazy, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> For me, yes. even if bad girls worked perfectly, mm-hmm. even if it was metronomic, it's not passion. It's It doesn't... Passion is is an order above, okay. I think. I'm, I, passion is great. Passion is really, really good. Here's why I think that this is better than passion. Because... This story, um, first of all, is the thing that pulls season three together. It, it, it on unto itself, 
it functions as a story. It escalates nicely. We've got, I, I completely buy, you know, Buffy's, um, you know, kind of foray into corruption. I completely buy that relationship with Faith. Um, I love that killing the guy is not the big deal. It's the I don't care that's the big deal. I love, I love the too. way we end on that. Um, I love Angel, the way that he's written in this. I love Wesley. So much of this is just so beautifully done, even though, yes, I agree with you. There are those flaws, but I mean, I love what it does okay. and how it functionally pulls together, not just, um, you know, the faith storyline, but also the mayor storyline and what all of that, it pulls everything oh, no. into focus. What it does is it takes a season that has felt a little bit kind of out there and it pulls it all into focus. And then I know what's going on for but the rest of the season. it doesn't unify. I mean, passion does a lot of the same things. Passion yeah. is, is no, the passion turning does. point for that season. Passion does. But what passion does is it pulls all the storylines together into one storyline. Mm -hmm. Passion unifies our entire understanding of the Buffyverse. Yes. In Bad Girls, yes, the Faith stuff works in the Faith storyline, and the Wesley stuff works in the Wesley storyline, and the Mayor stuff works in the Mayor storyline, but none of those three storylines mm -hmm. are meaningfully connected, and there's nothing stopping them from being meaningfully connected, which is they the frustrating thing. They just missed that opportunity. They should okay. apply leverage to each other. They should be unified by Faith's decision, and certainly we'll see some of the fallout from this. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll lead us in that direction you know next mm -hmm. week and into the rest of the season but this episode doesn't it doesn't cinch up the season the way that passion does it doesn't yeah. passion is is just rock solid it is just this it is very good okay so where would you put this on the ranking i have to look look i mean personally f for me given my responses i would put it down under band candy i would put it down at the bottom half of the oh, top 10 oh god no okay okay but the compromise <laughs> i think right kind of uh -huh. looking at it objectively the episode that it is most like which is also by the way an episode that has some huge glaring why would you do that problems <laughs> is immense i think it feels a lot like immense it has the same pre occupation with choice that it is the mm -hmm. choice it is it's angel's existentialist argument right, right. it's not what mm -hmm. you do it's why you do the things mm -hmm. you do that is absolutely echoed in this episode by by faith's okay. choice to not care lest we forget yes a man's has the snow at the end okay you know, a man's is a long way from a perfect episode <laughs> right right but it has a lot of really strong stuff i would say i mean i can't put this below a man's because I would put this below my my compromise position would be to put this below. You think bad girls? Oh God, bad that's girls tricky. should be number five. Bad girls should be no, above okay. amends. Okay, I'll take that. Because I think that amends, while it had a lot of really great stuff happening in that particular moment, yeah. doesn't have the the extenuating circumstances. Which, when you're writing one of these pivotal, you know, mid season moments that pulls everything together, it requires you not just to work within that episode itself, but also to be kind of a fulcrum point for the rest of the episode or the rest of the season. So I feel like I feel like Bad Girls earns a little more grace because of that. Yeah. No, I can see that. And, okay. and again, you know, <laughs> as I say every time I discuss Amends, Amends is my Buffy. Amends right, is the episode right, that right. It may as well have been called an episode for Alice. This is the episode just, for Alice. <laughs> just put that out for me. <laughs> the uh, the for wish me is like my episode. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, I, I the bizarro worlds are mine. Yeah. You're right in that the, the general execution. I, I still would argue that Amends unifies into something more mm -hmm. coherent mm -hmm. as, a, as an episode in its entirety amends unifies into something more coherent than bad girls but i can't argue that the individual storylines contained within bad girls aren't both stronger in conception yeah. and better executed yeah. than amends 
Uh, I think that's a good place for okay. it. I, that only I leaves us, that. I guess, this argument over whether or not it's better than I only have eyes for you. I'm I'm willing to put it below. I only okay. have eyes for you. That works for me. Yeah. I mean, some great stuff. And the mm-hmm. consequence of this episode, you know, that's going to inform the rest of the bank right. after season three. And certainly this episode is going to lead to some of the best stuff in Buffy hands mm-hmm. down. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have an affection for it because of that. Yeah. But unfortunately, the execution is fumbled just enough. And in these really obvious trivial ways like i don't know how you would fix the ends of amends once you've got yeah. <laughs> once you've got See, angel the to the point though. of suicide yeah i don't know like how you would fix that in a way that's completely but something emotionally that is understandably difficult to fix you look at it you go okay fair enough yeah that's something you set that yourself is up with a challenge so simple with like a single line yeah. you can edit and and fix a lot of the problems a lot of the stray threads that are kind of hanging off the side of bad girls i understand how that is actually more frustrating yeah. than a bigger problem but that a bigger problem which is genuinely difficult to fix to do it as simply as possible you know mm-hmm. certainly tweak a couple of lines tweak right. that line from buffy about the vampire not being with the other vampires tweak the line from xander about cordelia dressing like a hooker right. tweaks like a line or two of the mm-hmm. wesley stuff give one line of motivation for the willow thing right. cut some of balthazar and reframe the stuff in the sewer cut mm-hmm. the cut the drowning stuff yes and you have very likely the best episode of buffy and, ever. and honestly that is a simple or Probably too, because I think even then, even in its perfect form, I probably still wouldn't put it above Lover's Walk. But it would be. Oh, I wouldn't put it above Lover's Walk. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, I can, I can absolutely see where your problems are yeah. with it. I enjoy the stuff. Like I said, I'm loving the stuff that's good well, so much that I don't forget, even see the stuff that's bad. We have 44 entries on our list, and this is going in and at, this is number going at number five. four or number five. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. That's <laughs> it's pretty not a good. bad showing no, at all. Not and at a all. Thoroughly great and engaging episode. Oh, of I love Buffy this episode with. Some real crunch and some real philosophical and emotional maturity. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. delaying the the real sucker punch of the episode to that last oh, line. Oh, it's beautiful. That's, I mean, so we knew it was coming as the horrifying done. thing. Because you, know you that's think where it's that the up, big but, deal is that she killed somebody yeah. and then you get to the end and it's like, <gasps> I mean, that is a real sucker punch and I love it. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Because it's going to have, and this is the game changer, yeah. right? It's not a cliffhanger. We mm-hmm. know now where we are. Right. We exactly. live in a changed world. That is we the difference a between a cliffhanger and a game changer. And because yeah. Faith has made this choice, we know Buffy, mm-hmm. <laughs> all texts teach you how to read them yes. as you move through them. Mm-hmm. Buffy has taught us how to read it as a as a serious exploration of, of the mm-hmm. moral and the philosophical. Right. Buffy has taught us to prize and to value choice above all Absolutely. other things. Mm-hmm. The things that you do when you're not responsible yeah. have no moral weight whatsoever. Right. Every time you mm-hmm. get taken over by dark magic or a hyena spirit, right. you are not responsible for what happens. If all you're a werewolf forgiven. and you eat a dude in the, in the, the basement of Sunnydale High, that's fine because you didn't make a choice. And then but, wake up and gently defuse a bomb before exactly. going to class. Right, yes. But if you make a choice, then you are culpable for the consequences of that. And when you make a choice like this, Buffy has trained us to see mm-hmm. there's no way back. We yeah. already know the, the we don't know what the consequences are going to be, but we know that they are going to be dire. Mm-hmm. And those consequences are far going to exceed the consequence of simply killing a guy. Yeah. Even an innocent human like yeah. Alan. And I'm disappointed to see Alan go because Alan I was pretty liked great. Alan. Yeah, Alan was nice. I liked him a lot. And he we was didn't a talk poor about guy. It. Was like he's like, I just he took an internship in the mayor's office. He sort of moved up the ranks a little bit, and then the next thing you know, it's demons and vampires. It's so terrible. If he just filled out the other intern application, he exactly. could have ended up working for Leslie Nope. Exactly. But this is where he ended up. And I should say too, that yes. guy did fantastic work with the delivery of the I like Kathy line right oh, at the beginning when they're yeah, talking no, about the newspaper I, comics. That, 
actor is fantastic. Yeah, did a great job and will be missed. So that is our take on Bad Girls. We'll Mm -hmm. be back next week with the aforementioned Consequences, a Marty Noxon script. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's a good one. There's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, you know how I love Marty Noxon. To talk about. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much. I hope that you didn't miss us too much during during our our week week off. off. (laughs) Don't worry. It'll be a little while before we take another break. If you want to talk to us about this episode, if you want to share your thoughts on Bad Girls, you can email us directly, podcast at storywonk.com. You can find us on Twitter at storywonk. You can stop by our Facebook page if you've a mind to, facebook.com slash storywonk, or you can visit the Storywonk forum where people are still discussing the Zeppo, and it's a great (laughs) and engaging conversation, forum.storywonk.com. And I would like to thank everybody who did contribute to that thread about the Zeppo. Really great discussion. That is why I love doing this show as much as I love doing it. It's just the greatest. If you enjoy Dusted and you would like to help us do more, let me tell you how you can do that. We are getting (laughs) awfully close, perilously close to our next Patreon milestone, Double Dusted. Two episodes of Dusted a week once we conclude season three and then begin season four of Buffy. Season four Buffy and season season one one of Angel. Angel. So you'll get one Buffy, one Angel every week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Except for sometimes we have two parters and we're going to have to shift them around a little bit, but there will always be two episodes of Dusted. Trying to do those two shows. That's going to be complicated. Because they are I concurrent, think probably, yeah. I'm not going to pledge one Angel and one Buffy per week. I think I'm going to pledge to maintaining the strict chronological order. Yes. And we'll just do two episodes We'll just do week. two episodes chronologic, two episodes of Dusted chronologically yeah. for how all these things air. Because otherwise, it's going to be it's impossible. Insane. If we try and do one of each per week, we yeah. won't be able to line up the crossovers that inform so much of the first season exactly. of Angel in particular. Exactly. Um, there's a real tight textual connectedness between those two shows. And for those of you who haven't watched Angel, maybe you've watched Buffy, but you never really got into Angel. I had to say, a lot of people had a tough time like switching over to Angel because yeah. it is a different show. Oh, but I absolutely love Angel. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And it's eclipsed a little bit because it comes off of Buffy. But I really love it. No, there's a great yeah. deal to love in mm-hmm. Angel, particularly if you love you know our diversions into the, yes. the political and the moral and the philosophical underpinnings of this world. Angel has a, a more sophisticated and more, I think, antagonistic approach to that stuff. Mm-hmm. It really challenges you. Yeah. In some of your assumptions and assertions about the world around you. Right. It's, it's a really interesting and engaging show. I actually can't wait to get started. Mm-hmm. I know Angel much less well than I know Buffy the Vampire And it's going to be fun so to go in there and be surprised by it so much yeah. more. Yeah, I'm I excited. Can't if you would like to help us reach that goal where we will produce two episodes of Dusted per week, you can make that happen by visiting patreon.com slash storywonk. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash storywonk. That is it for this week. Stay tuned after the music for a brief spoiler section about the rest of season three, the rest of Buffy, and hey, probably the rest of Angel yes. 2. If you haven't seen the show before, you can stop listening when the music plays. But if you're an old hand, if you know where the story is going, then stick around for a short spoiler discussion after the music. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dusted. So what is there to say about Wesley Wyndham Price? Oh my God, everything. <laughs> I love him. I love him with my whole, whole heart. I mean, when he came in in this episode originally, you know, and I thought he was just another Gwendolyn, you know, post who would be there for like an episode or whatever yeah. and then die horribly crunched in half by some Travers, kind of horrible, exactly, watcher. like another, another just in there for Which a little bit. It's not a bad 
place to be. Right. That's a fair assumption because at this point, we're kind of accustomed to, well, no, Giles will sort it out. Exactly. You know, the big season finale will be Giles being reappointed as, as Buffy's watcher. And, and that whole you know, thing We can put this ugliness behind and us. And this guy's just going to be a doofus until. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I love is the rest of season three with Wesley is, is he's interesting. He's awkward. He's goofy. He's vulnerable. Um, he becomes a very real character and a likable character, I think, fairly quickly, even though he is, you know, kind of a goof. Um, and then he goes away and that's totally fine. Uh, Angel starts up and we have eight episodes with Angel's um, basically Lancer character, if you're familiar <laughs> with the five man band. Um, being this demon called Doyle. Mm -hmm. And we start working with Doyle, but he was unfortunately played by a guy who, um, I think his name was, uh, was it Glenn Quinn? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and he had a lot of drug problems and he was, uh, you know, kind of difficult and died not too long after being let go from Angel. When he goes away, when the character of Doyle goes away, it was like they had this sudden vacuum. They had to fill it with somebody and they call in Alexis Denisoff to come back as Wesley. He comes in to Angel as this goofy, you know, <laughs> wearing this whole white suit. Like he just is as even beyond as a rogue demon hunter. <laughs> and um and he comes in and he's just ridiculous. Yeah. And then over the five years of Angel <laughs> arcs into one of the the darkest, most interesting heroes. Yeah. I love Wesley. I love what happens with him. I love his whole thing. Um, I love his amazing it's ability. It's one of the most amazing arcs I've ever seen, aside from Spike. In both Buffy yeah. and in Angel, he shows up all at once. Yeah. And then is just there from that point onward. He's, right. he's in every episode between he's now and the there. end of season three. Yeah. And then episode 11 of Angel, all the way through to shows the end. Shows up and that's it. He's such a... a sophisticated character oh yeah but that doesn't stop him from being you know immediately accessible he's, he's right there on screen he's he's an astonishing piece alexis denisoff is a fantastic yeah. actor and i have to say the things that he's called upon to do throughout the course of angel are tremendous and what he's capable of um, and to see that arc, I mean, it was amazing to see an arc pulled off with Spike. We all, you know, anybody listening to this hopefully already knows the stuff that happens with Spike, you know, through yeah. to the end of season seven is just tremendous. The way that that character arcs and moves through this and changes throughout this, the course of the story is amazing. And then to do it again yeah. with Wesley is just, I mean, in a different well, way. In a very different a completely, way, yes. <laughs> where, where Spike goes from dark to light, um, Wesley goes from light to dark, um, which um, I absolutely absolutely love yes he yeah, does with a lot of you can't say he doesn't yeah. no, 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 go no, no, dark no, sure. he goes no, dark was, yeah I, mm -hmm. with a lot of qualification it's like it, it's nothing right. like as simple as that right if you haven't seen it and you're somehow listening and spike to the is hardly section, a light bouncing through the you know exactly heather right. yeah. character at the end but he goes from you know when lighter, we say anyway, wesley yeah. arcs from light to dark mm -hmm. i think that gives if you don't know that story that gives right. you a a devastatingly incorrect impression a sense that he goes dark like dark willow yeah. or something like no, that exactly it is much more complex great. and nuanced yeah. than that and he still remains a hero but he's a dark hero and i love that talking about characters arcing yes faith is faith. never going to come back from this well i mean if you're talking about the long story she sort of does faith is she's going to come back well okay into she the is light. never she is never going to again be the person she was before she's this never happened. going to be free she of is it. never yes. going to be free of it absolutely um but she does find really interesting ways to come back and still be heroic but on her terms like she's never trying to please anybody she's well, never trying to get anybody to like her but she you know yeah, I, we'll, I like we'll her talk a lot about that when we finally reach season seven of buffy yeah because um, that's going to be a complicated 
kind of uh there's some challenging and a lot of angel too she's an angel a yeah lot. yeah mm-hmm. no but it's particularly her role in season seven of buffy as, right. again you know the counterpoint to buffy right um there's some really complicated work going on in that character arc yeah and i'm not sure and obviously my opinion may change you know three times right. over by the time mm-hmm. we get to that point i'm not sure that we're given the necessary framework to account for this slightly different version of faith. Oh, in Angel. No, in what Angel. What happens no, in, in Angel, Angel accounts for that. What happens in Buffy, no, it see, feels a little... I, no, I'm not sure. I think I, what I happens think in this, Angel accounts for that arc. I think there's a discordance between the version of faith that we get in Angel yeah. and then the version of faith that we get in Buffy. Interesting. I'll be interested to see when we no, get as there. as will I. I, yeah. I can make no bold assertion But that's about just, that. you know, your perception based on your memory of it. Yeah. That it's not even that it's bad. It's not even that it doesn't entirely work. It's that it... it it just feels a little off. It feels uncomfortably close to, by the time we get to season seven of Buffy, right. to a retcon of Faith's character. Okay. Um, and I'll be interested to see how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I remember but it being completely consistent. But we are just yeah. setting the stage here. This because is, we've got Wesley yes. in play. We've got Faith in play. Oh we've got God, the mayor now. He's, he's all ready for the ascension. Yeah. And we are locked off. It is 100 days for the mm-hmm. rest of the season. Yeah. Everything that we're going to face plays out yeah. in that time. Um, and it's... It's interesting. We're, we're, we're really looking forward to, <laughs> I'm trying to kind of edge around this as carefully as I can. Yeah. We've got one bad episode mm-hmm. left in season three. Um, I am not a fan of Earshot. Yeah. Traditionally. Yeah. Um, I think that is a hugely problematic episode. Mm-hmm. In a way that only Jane Espenson can write. <laughs> she writes <laughs> when she writes, and, and it's not enough to say that it's it's right. bad. Uh-huh. It's enough to say that it's difficult. Yeah, um, and it's problematic, and and it is among her more difficult and problematic scripts, which is saying a lot. Because uh, Jane is obviously a, a favorite of ours, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. she's also divisive. I think yeah. her her and again, it's not that her scripts are bad. Right, it's that sometimes they're not they're not. Buffy. They don't feel like a cohesive part of a Buffy. Right. I, I don't want to preempt our conversation we'll, about we'll Earshot. Have to, we'll get to, we'll have to get there and because see how we feel. Because aside from right. Earshot, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a ton of good it stuff coming. It is just a It is a roller coaster ride to, to the, the rest finish. of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And then I'm Graduation Day Part 1 and Part 2, yeah. which I guarantee is going to be our longest episode of Dusted Ever because Probably. there's just so much. There's we have so to do both much. of those parts together. I know. That's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> I can't wait to get to it. Is there anything else we want to discuss in oh, the spoiler section? I don't think so. I think we got it. That's it for this time. That's just how much I love Wesley. <laughs> do you remember? It's, it's interesting. I, I didn't think about it until watching this episode. The degree to which Buffy is made more conservative and more cautious in this episode so as to provide a better contrast with Faith. Mm-hmm. I mean... I said that in the body of the episode. Do you agree with that? Do you agree oh, yeah. with that reading? Yeah, she yeah is, no, I, I, I definitely agree with okay. that. I think that she's been, you know, slightly altered. You know? I, and I like that. It's mm-hmm. not completely out of character for where she's right. been, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of her arc through the season. Well, especially because when you're around people, like I have this thing when I'm around, uh, especially negative people, yeah. I become like even more <laughs> chipper and positive, which considering the way that I start out, which is usually fairly chipper and positive, I become like seriously like clown material, like it's really bad. So I can kind of see that reflection that when yeah. you're around somebody and you have to balance out them Sometimes that changes the way that yeah, you view the world. And if you're around somebody who's true. wild and reckless, you may very well become more conservative. That's true, though. I fear that attributing Buffy's transformation and growth mm-hmm. as a character to Faith is actually, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's giving Buffy too little credit. Because and Faith she really is just much. maturing. Yeah. She mm-hmm. really is just becoming yeah. an adult. You yeah. know, that's going to be a major theme through the back half of the season, yeah. which we introduced. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't talk a lot about it, but we introduced the notion of college yes. in this episode of mm-hmm. Buffy. And this is it. And that was 
that was striking. Obviously, I know where the show is going. Right. I know how this season ends. I know what we do in season four. I know yeah. all of this stuff. And yet, to have Willow talking about college. About future. About how things felt, are going you know, to change. About yeah, life after really, high school. Yeah. yeah. All of that stuff was was really crunchy and interesting. Now, I'm going to be interested looking forward to the rest of the season to mm-hmm. look at how Buffy responds to Faith's actions after the fact. Not in terms of her relationship with Faith, but in terms of her relationship with being the Slayer. Right. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fascinating to watch. And I don't have a strong sense of, of how developed that is or or how, right. how much crunch there is It's going to be there, interesting to, to see because I don't remember season four as well as I remember all the other yeah. seasons because it's not my favorite, you know? Um, so I'm really interested <laughs> to see how we move into season four. Looking at the episode breakdown, I am really looking forward to season four. There's a lot of good stuff in yeah. season four. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I gotta say, I'm looking forward Onward to it. Onward and upward. This there is the go. great thing about Buffy. This is what, you know, we get, we get questions every week. Yeah. Oh, you guys should do a show about The Wire or about Breaking yeah. Bad or about Lost. You should, you should break it down just like you break down Buffy. I'm like, okay. The thing that makes Buffy special, one of the things that makes Buffy yeah. special is the fact that it just stays good. Yeah. I mean, even it season ages four aside, well. you know, yeah. people don't like season six. People don't like season five. Some people, I Which can't is understand crazy that myself, but okay, I guess, you know. <laughs> I think there's good stuff to talk about in uh-huh. every season of Buffy, yeah. in almost every episode of Buffy. There right. are very few you know, genuine duds mm-hmm. between here and the end of the show. And I think we've seen the two worst episodes of Buffy. Yeah. I think we've maybe seen them already. Yeah. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in due course, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's going to be a serious competitor for Go Fish right there at the end of the list. <laughs> you think Go Fish is going to be the anchor at the I bottom for the rest some, of the There are some bad... Yeah. There, there are some questionable episodes. I'm not sure we're going to see anything worse than Go Fish. I don't think we're going to see anything worse than Tad personally. But yeah. hey, that's just for me. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sticking with us through the spoiler section. It's fun to just kind of take fun. off the shackles well, and talk about how much we love Buffy. Like, yeah. I love Buffy. I know. It's, such it's a good amazing. Show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We'll be back next week with consequences. And since you, of course, are listening to the spoiler section, oh boy, you know what's coming. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about that next week. <laughs> see you then. <laughs>